Captain Kirk. Fascinating. <laughs> I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. Thank you, thank you. Love you. Most illogical. I said. Well, that was different. Yep, rousy, but different. Places, please. And here we go. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, bears, antiquans, and things to episode 109 of the Muppet Trek podcast. I'm Steve. And I'm Jarman, and we're here to compare and contrast and confer about our two favorite franchises. And what are those, Steve? It's the Muppets of Star Trek. Well, God. We're doing one-to-one reviews of The Muppet Show and now Star Trek The Next Generation. And tonight we're covering The Muppet Show with special guest star Paul Simon and Star Trek The Next Generation episode Lonely Among Us. But before we jump into that, we do have some feedback this week. Uh, one from Joe Fiore, or Joe Fiore, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, from the Megapodtastic podcast. We've had an email or two from him in the past. Um, and he had an email in regards to our last episode about Chief Engineer Argyle. Uh, he said, I just listened to episode 108. Do you guys know the actual story of what really happened to Argyle? And we both, Steve and I, thought he was referring to the character of Argyle and not the actor. Yeah, so we were we just didn't understand what was being said. Right. And Stephen had, a, had found something cool, which I didn't know either. It was in a comic book that apparently Argyle was assassinated in 2371 by a Zortai, whatever that is, with a grudge against the chief engineers of the Enterprise. But uh, Joe actually meant the actor Bill uh, Yeager, Biff Yeager, who Steve and I actually talked about in the last episode about how he's on Parks and Rec and everything like that, character actor throughout the years. Um, and he, Joe found this on the site called What Culture. Uh, apparently, most of these figures didn't stick long in the memory, but one who did was Lieutenant Commander Argyle. In fact, he was so good in the role that the show's producers planned on making him a permanent member of the cast and giving him a much bigger role in future episodes until one day they just suddenly changed their minds. The story, at least to, according to Will Wheaton, is that Paramount received a deluge of letters from fans advocating for a bigger part in the show for Argyle. They were impressed by the impact he'd made in the audience until one day they noticed that some of the letters were referencing his role in episodes that hadn't aired yet. So becoming suspicious, they found out that Jaeger himself was behind this. He'd written to fans personally to pressure them into sending letters to Paramount. Thus, they quickly binned him from the show, adding some new engineers before finally making LaForge the full-time chief of engineering later in the show. Oops, it says. <laughs> so that was hilarious. <laughs> he must have been really desperate, but that was a good idea until they started referencing episodes that hadn't aired yet. Um, and we got uh, also a message on Twitter from a longtime listener of the show, Bill Lamond. And he wrote, wrote written us before about episodes, and he was responding to someone else on Twitter yeah, last time I, was, I remember it, he, he yelled at us about saying a name wrong. Yes, I made sure to get his name right this time because it rhymes with Pond, Bill Lamond. Um, but it was really cool for him to say this. He said, now one of my fave podcasts is Muppet Trek, which looks yeah, at one, one episode from each franchise. Uh, and they have transporter malfunction when they say who they'd switch between shows. And it's hilarious. So thank you, Bill Lamond. We're glad you're still enjoying it. That's awesome. Bill Lamond from across the pond. Is he British? Do we know? I don't know, actually. I didn't check. I don't remember if he referenced that I don't that remember. Or not. Sorry, Either way, Bill. we love having you. We love our international presence. And and national one as well. So if you're from Just the US. national presence, <laughs> city and state, local presence as well. Any presence is good, a good presence. Yeah, it's Christmas presence, all the presents. <laughs> Presidents, you know, <laughs> setting precedents. Uh, anyway, so Steve, why don't you tell us about our Muppet Show guest star, Paul Simon. Who is that? Simone? Paul. Paul yeah, Paul Paul Simone. Uh, Paul Simon is a living legend of music. Yes. Um, who 
it was one of those things where I was like, you know, I'll do, I'll just pull up the discography because he was originally part of Simon and Garfunkel, a mm-hmm. folk duo with uh, him and his partner, Art Garfunkel. And they'd actually, they knew each other since they were 11. Oh, wow. Didn't know that. These two. Uh, and then reconnected later and started singing together and wrote so many songs. And I actually went to pull up the songs that, of theirs that I knew. And the list is crazy. April Come She Will, America, Baby Driver, The Boxer, Bye Bye Love, Cecilia, the 59th Street Bridge song, which is all called Feeling Groovy, Hazy Shade of Winter, I Am a Rock, Homer Bound, Bridge Over Troubled Water. I was like, oh, my God. There's just too many. When you see them all back to back, it's just incredible. <laughs> um, well, they did break up hmm. and Paul Simon went on and had his own career and did uh, many, many songs that you would know, including a lot that are in this episode. Yes. Um, and so he's just like an American singer songwriter. He's one of the few people that are on the Muppet show that are really still relevant now. That's true. There aren't too many like that. Cause he's in that living legend status. He doesn't have to do much to maintain. Right. Like him and Paul McCartney. It's like, it's those two are there. They just got chill. Now they do new albums now that just kind of go into the radar. And no one listens to, but that's okay. Cause they're legends. <laughs> yeah. Just let them. Just let it go. Let them have fun in their retirement. But yeah, just some fun in your old age. Get a yo-yo or something. <laughs> uh, so no. So who is Paul Simon? It's Paul Simon. You've heard one of these songs if you have listened to modern music in the last 40 years. Accurate. Uh, but what's he up to on the Muppet Show this week? Well, backstage, Gonzo wants to be like Paul Simon and be a, a songwriter, but Kermit cuts him off entirely. Pops then goes to Paul Simon's dressing room and asks him to for- perform It's Been a Long, Long Day. Paul says, well, I'm not supposed to play the song, but I guess I can play it for you. And then he plays it anyway. It's like this really great meta moment. Um, And then various other Muppets come in to listen to this beautiful song. Uh, Shortly after this, Gonzo comes in and he pitches one of his songs to Paul, which Paul would rather break his guitar than listen to. (laughs) Paul tells Gonzo he thinks that he is sick in the head, basically. And Gonzo hatches Asparagus Baby, who thinks Kermit's are their dad. That's a weird turn at the end, but that does happen. (laughs) What's happening on stage? What does the audience see this week? Well, we open with a fine Renaissance sort of fair as Paul Simon is a wandering minstrels and sings Scarborough Fair, which is also called Canticle, while a a pieman sells pies nearby. Uh, There's a lot of good quick jokes in there, too, and big characters. It was real fun. Uh, A quartet then hits the stage and performs the song 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. It's a great rendition. We then get to Veterinarian's Hospital with Gonzo on the table, but he's just there for the jokes this week. And Gonzo admits that he doesn't know what he is, which is another interesting meta moment. Yeah, that's true. We don't find uh, out what he is till the movie. Muppets in Space. Till the movie. Uh, there is a Muppet News flash where in a there's an amnesty on overdue books and at least the newsman getting a concussion from books. <laughs> Gonzo hits the stage. He performs El Condor Pasa, uh, but with his own lyrics. Uh, Paul takes offense and goes and steals all of Gonzo's chicken women. <laughs> then Jarman's all-time favorite, Ugh. Bobby Benson's baby band, hits no. the stage, and they creep out Jarman and perform Baby Driver. <laughs> it's terrible. Kermit introduces Paul Simon one last time, but performs Love Me Like a Rock with uh, Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem and some backup singers. Kermit thanks Paul one final time, who gets rid of his chicken groupies by ordering a fried chicken dinner. And then threatens to murder the asparagus babies. <laughs> and that is what we call the Muppet Show. So, Jarman, what did you think of this week's episode of special guest Paul Simon? The poor asparagus babies. <laughs> uh, I thought this episode was perfectly serviceable. Um, 
probably because Paul Simon's music is so good that it kind of overcomes a lot. Um, otherwise, I think if it wasn't for the great music and him being such a legend, that I think it would suffer from the common problem we've been finding of when we have hosts who pretty much only play themselves, don't do any other characters. Um, if they just do their shtick on stage, it's just that his happens to be a good shtick. Um, but it, it, it doesn't mean it was, wasn't boring, but it wasn't actually great. Cause he wasn't, he's not a very high energy guy to begin with. So his energy doesn't really, no, not at all. yeah, he's very sleepy and kind of chill folky guy. I mean, watching him smash that guitar was such a good juxtaposition moment. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, strangely the Scarborough fair number canticle at number, it sounded like there was something wrong with the tracking. Like, the tempo and sync was off with some of the instruments, and so it was really distracting to me. It was I'd never heard that before in these episodes. Mm. But maybe it, I'll have to rewatch it. I didn't yeah, notice it. It was like sometimes it would go into sync, and sometimes some of the tempo of the instruments would be off. It was really weird. I was just like that's strange. Um, of course, the terrifying baby band, which is always a knock against any episode. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> and uh, but I did really like the Veterans Hospital and uh, Newsflash. Was actually I laughed out loud with that Newsflash. It was actually really fun. Um, and so, but because of the fact that it wasn't much of a stretch for him in any way, it was kind of a mediocre episode for me because the, the little sketches were good and he was serviceable, but it was, it wasn't great in my opinion. No, I, I, I didn't quite see it that way, but now that you say it, you're right. He was, did kind of get into his shtick. It was good. You're absolutely right, right about that. We got, you know, love me like a rock was a great number. I really, I thought the pageantry of Scarborough Fair Oh yeah, it was. It was, it was, it was still one a of the great biggest, number. In that bigger regard. sketches they've done. Yeah, it was big. Very big production. Um, I I really enjoyed the fifty ways to leave your lover with like that quartet, like part of the Electric Mayhem. They did a great job of that song. That yeah. was great, and the Muffin News Flash. Just, so there were. I feel like half of this episode was like real good, high quality episode, and the rest wasn't bad. It was just Paul Simon singing Paul Simon. Songs. Yeah, yeah. So it's like nothing. <laughs> there's nothing bad about the episode. Which no, I like and that. it's been a long, long day. It's like one of my favorite backstage numbers ever. Oh, I never even heard that song before, so I really liked it. It was, it was very yeah, pleasant. Yeah, it was sweet. And then I love how he's like, I'm not supposed to do it on the show, but I'll do it on the show. <laughs> yeah. Wink. Wink. Um, but no, it's not, okay, you're right. This ends up middling. I maybe put this higher in my head, but now that I've discussed it. I think you're making me like it a little bit more. So I think we're kind of meeting in the middle a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we're going to meet in the middle. Yeah. Totally middle episode. <laughs> but definitely not bad. Not a bad Not episode. bad. I bet you, I know we have at least one real bad one coming up. <laughs> of course. <laughs> one real bad one. So any uh, uh, any uh, trivia for songs in this episode? Oh, music this week. Uh, no, because it's all Paul Simon music. <laughs> so yeah. I just decided to pull a bunch of Paul Simon facts. Oh, fun. So uh, Paul Simon is a 35-time nominee and 16-time Grammy winner. Damn. He was, of course, one half of Simon and Garfunkel. Uh, Simon uh, really idolized Chuck Berry and admits to borrowing heavily from his music styling because he mm. said he liked how Chuck Berry kind of just like not say made noises, but kind of just like made sounds to go with the music and his words really flowed. And that's why you see Paul Simon do a lot of this, like, mm, like, like little stuff like that. Cause he okay. says he, he borrows heavily from, from Chuck Berry. Mrs. Robinson, their famous song uh, was originally Mrs. Roosevelt, but then it was considered for the movie, the graduate. And they just changed the lyrics real quick hmm. to match the movie. So it became works. Mrs. Robinson <laughs> and the BBC wouldn't broadcast their song, uh, his song Kodachrome because apparently they're big or they were big sticklers about products associations and songs. Oh, And so because of that, it has never been released as a single in Britain. Still Kodachrome. That's what it said. I don't know if that's true, but that's what the thing I read said. Interesting. 
so, Jordan, what did you think was the best Muppet cheering moment this week? Um, I'm not sure if you'll say the same thing, but I think the Scarborough Fair number, I think, because despite the weird music stuff, the the whole Muppeteering aspect of it was fantastic. And it's like so many Muppets in different levels and they're moving the camera with Paul and they had to coordinate all the timing with that and just like all the different costumes. And it was just a very impressive number in that regard. I was just, just kind of distracted by the music. Yeah. Uh, for me, my best Muppeteering moment um, was a subset of Scarborough Fair. Specifically, I love the guy on stilts. Oh, <laughs> but like the stilts moving and not being able to see his top was just so well performed by whoever was down there and so physically well done that I laughed each time it was it happened. I like in the wiki. Knew, he has no name. He's just called Stilt Man on Stilts. That's what he's called. <laughs> it's Lady Stilt Man. Lady Stilt Man. <laughs> the famous uh, comic book character. <laughs> it all comes around. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's my best puppeteering moment. Whoever was doing the stilt guy. Very nice. So Jarvin, what happened on this week's episode of Star Trek, The Next Generation? Today we have Lonely Among Us, um, and we have the Enterprise heading to an appropriately named planet, very lazily named Parliament, uh, with delegates from two warring planets on the ship, the Soleil and the Antikins, lizard, or these lizard and dog people. And suddenly a strange energy cloud appears on their way, and the Enterprise goes to investigate it, because that's part of their job, you know? Look at weird stuff. And as Worf is working on a console, because he's helping out Geordi with just menial tasks, he's hit by a big energy surge that only Geordi can see because of his visor. And when he wakes up, he's confused and angry, but Dr. Crusher injects him to calm him down. But the wave then passes to her through Worf, and now she's acting strangely. And she starts going around the ship asking lots of questions about the ship's functions. And people are giving her weird looks. And she totally disses Wesley, which I love, just walks out on him. <laughs> and when she goes to the bridge, the energy wave then transfers back to the ship. And she's left wondering where, how she even got there. She remembers nothing. So the ship then starts to malfunction a ton and they can't go anywhere. And this frustrates, frustrates the delegates that are on board who are getting more and more into trouble with each other. And suddenly an engineer is killed by the energy wave while he's investigating the ship's problems. So Picard then orders a murder investigation, mentioning how he wishes that they had the help of the legendary Sherlock Holmes, which then prompts Data to research Holmes and take on his demeanor, his investigative techniques, and his pipe. Um, and this this and other investigations lead them to believe it was not a member of their own crew that caused the death or the delegates on board, so it must be some foreign intruder. And while looking at a bridge console readout, Picard gets the energy wave transferred to him, so now it's his turn to act all weird. And by this time, they had gotten the ship to work enough to keep heading toward the Parliament planet, but the energy wave, um, the energy wave version of Picard orders the ship to turn around and head back to the energy cloud, and he gives no good explanation for that. So this causes Riker and Crusher to be suspicious and intervene, thinking that he's, there's definitely something wrong with Picard. And finally, with some pressing, Picard admits that he and the energy wave are now one, and they wish to return to the energy cloud to become one energy being that will travel the galaxy with new purpose. And he plans to use the transporter to shed Picard's body and explore the gal galaxy merged with his essence, basically. So the crew tries to stop him, but he freezes them all in place with his energy wave powers. Um, and he beams off the ship, and the crew can't find any trace of his energy signature after looking for a long time. So they're about to give up and leave, but Troy senses his mind. So they go closer to the energy cloud, and Picard's energy enters back into the Enterprise... And apparently the two energy forms were unable to merge, so Picard was just out there wandering as an energy cloud, and he couldn't figure out how to get back. So now that the ship's there, he merges back with the ship, and Data's then able to reverse the transport into the transporter room, get Picard's energy back on board and into his body, 
And Picard can't remember anything since the energy wave entered his body, and they just continue on to the Parliament planet. So that's the episode. So, Steve, what'd you think of uh, Lonely Among Us? Um, okay, so there were some things I liked. All right, that's a lie. I didn't really like this episode. <laughs> well, all right then. <laughs> nothing, nothing felt enough. Hmm. Like the, them getting the energy being was interesting, but then it didn't spread to enough people or do enough different things to make it interesting. And then when it was with Picard, Picard didn't do enough stuff to push the envelope or to push the situation to escalate it. There wasn't enough tension in what the stakes were other than Captain Picard might be compromised until he went out as the energy cloud. And then they had to pull some MacGuffin, which I'm kind of getting I'm already sick of it them using Deanna Troy as their get out of jail free card for every friggin' episode. I'm sensing something. <laughs> yeah. Her, she just gets to sense something and then they get to inanely connect some dots that in previous Star Trek would have been connected by logic, but they don't need that anymore because she can just feel those dots and connect them for the audience. And then they don't have to explain or have a plot. Well, I mean, they and kind of the same thing with a lot of get out of jail free cards with Spock's like mind melds and psychic powers. I know, stuff. but at least that was defined and specific and limited. Mm. Like like Spock used his mind powers to understand a word that a being was said that was being said. And then he used logic to take it from there or he used his powers to call one guy to get to a door to open it up so that they could ambush him and get out. But he didn't do that over and over and over again. <laughs> like, That's like her job, though. That's what she's there for. She's just there to just feel her way through the plot of an episode. Pretty much. So so I, I really, this just episode wasn't enough. Because of that, it ends up very low for me. And mind you, we've only seen a few episodes. Right. It's not like we're that far in. But this might be the bottom of the barrel so far for me. Oh, not compared to some of the other crap we've seen. <laughs> I mean, there's no, some real I bad like ones. this more than some of those, though. Wow. I like I like those more than, than this. See, my thing is I, I did feel like it was slow. And I think your explanation makes me understand why I felt like it was so slow, because you're like the energy wave energy thing wasn't doing enough. I think you're right. Like it didn't escalate the, the situation. Right. Because I didn't mind the episode. The, the premise was interesting. I liked the, the AMB plots. I really I really liked actually the delegate plot better. Now, that was funny and entertaining. And I wish, they, I wish they'd had a real resolution in that other than one of them murdered the other and they're going to eat them. Yeah. That was literally the resolution. <laughs> but, like, I guess even think about it this way. They even designed the plot wrong for them escalating it because was the whole point was that they couldn't take Picard out of his seat because he hadn't done anything dangerous. Mm-hmm. They literally hamstrung the the, the 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 antagonist of the episode because if not they would have just taken him out of control well yeah and then he, he literally basically, couldn't escalate what was happening literally yeah, couldn't do it they couldn't do a coup basically is what you're saying right, right right well no i'm just saying that because the the writers the writers of the episode because they they boxed picard in to like well if he does anything too dangerous their crews are going to take him out they couldn't let him do anything too dangerous uh, i see what you're saying like the writers couldn't let him do anything crazy. So because of that, the episode couldn't escalate. Everything was mundane. He was just staring out a window most of the time. <laughs> staring out the window. And what did he do? He's like, hey, we're going to go back the way we came. Are you sure, Captain? Yeah, we're going to go back the way we came. I'm going to go stare out this window. <laughs> but that was it. Like there was, no, there was nowhere to go. <laughs> There's nothing else. <laughs> yeah, I'm he gonna, didn't really have much action I'm gonna, going on. I'm going to play some ping pong. I want to play some ping pong with Captain Actually, Captain I think Carl. all of you are crazy. Not me. Wolf, come play some ping pong. Yes, sir. 
<laughs> Ping pong I, for, the, for honor and glory. Another being there. <laughs> Shut up, Troy. <laughs> I'm um, feeling anger. <laughs> I'm feeling anger. <laughs> this plot device towards Troy. Uh, uh, so yeah, I guess that's that's my review. Is I didn't care for most of this episode. I I, I that's what I was saying. I think I liked the premise. I think it was executed kind of poorly and that it was kind of slow. Um and I think you gave a good reason why it was slow. You're right though. The alien delegate subplot is the one body to pull out of this fire. <laughs> the snake men versus the I guess leopard like they, they're kind of tiger dogs. Kind yeah, of. tiger dogs. Tiger dog <laughs> tiger dog men. Yeah, I thought it was pretty middling for me. A nice little comfy middle episode. It wasn't terrible, in my opinion, but I, I see your points. And I think they're, right. they're the reasons why I didn't like it more. How have we both talked ourselves out of positions <laughs> yeah. on, on both of these episodes? We're so convincing. <laughs> well, uh, so trivia for this episode. Yeah. Uh, although this is the only major appearance of either the Antikins or the Soleil, those weird reptile and dog people, they continue to be used as background extras in other episodes of The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. So you'll see them ro- roaming around for the rest of Star Trek because um, the masks are really expensive to make. So they just kept them around and put them on other people. Uh, Mark Alimo uh, makes his first of Star Trek appearance as Badar. It's literally end apostrophe D apostrophe D. I don't know how you would pronounce that. He was one of those delegates. I don't know which race. Um, okay. He went on to play Tabak, Masset, and Frederick La Rogue before taking on the recurring role of Ducat in D Space Nine, who you'll see eventually, Steve, is like one of the main antagonists throughout the whole D Space Nine. He's fantastic in that. He's like super okay. Shakespearean, but he's American, but he's just like, I'm so evil. It's fun. Like that kind of thing. He's really good. <laughs> um, the first episode of the series to feature the Starfleet dress uniforms. And these dress uniforms are worn throughout the series runs of D Space Nine and Voyager as well. Uh, following the airing of the episode, fans wrote in to complain about a scene refer- referencing cannibalism. I'm guessing they're talking about them eating the other uh, people, but they're not yeah. the same race. They can eat them. It's fine. Um, it's not cannibalism, guys. <laughs> so director Cliff Bowl of this episode, he remembered of this episode. They got a lot of calls for that. They just want to do some kind of shocker. You've never seen anything like it since. I don't recall that being one of my better shows, but I worked as hard on that episode as anything else. The subject matter affects the end product. There are some better written shows, obviously. <laughs> That's what he said. So he knew this wasn't a gem. It was just a starter episode for him because he goes on to direct really great episodes down the line. So not his fault. That's fine. Well, that's so, exciting to hear. Yeah. So, Steve, any uh, Trek connections uh, this time around? Oh, boy, do I got two of them. Well, uh, <laughs> Engineer Singh, who died, mm-hmm. was played by Kavi Raz. Cool and name. he was the first Indian actor on a major Hollywood show. He was in multiple seasons of St. Elsewhere. Oh. Uh, also in St. Elsewhere was Howie Mandel, who did multiple voices for the first two seasons of Muppet Babies. Oh, what a connection. Bam. And then you got John Durbin, who played one of the snake guys. Uh, He was also on Doogie Howser, MD, with a young Neil Patrick Harris, who starred in How I Met Your Mother, alongside Jason Segel, who was in the 2011 The Muppets. (laughs) This is like maybe seven degrees of Kevin Bacon here. (laughs) Neil Patrick Harris had a cameo in The Muppets, uh, he was one of the celebrities manning the phones for their telethon. Ah, uh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. He, he was on the phone. He's like, yes, I know. I don't know why I'm not hosting this. <laughs> That's funny. So there's your Trek Connects, baby. Beautiful. 
and they should be connected because they're the same episode. That's right, because both feature folks of all types coming together in one place for a good time. The different vendors and patrons going to the Scarborough Fair and the snake and, what did I say, dog tiger men <laughs> coming to the Enterprise to meet. Lovely. Just have a good time. Uh, both have two characters trying to work on something, and when something goes horribly wrong, we have uh, Paul Simon helping Pops fix the trap door lever, causing Pops to fall through it. And Worf helping out with a sensory array with Geordi and an energy being zaps him through the console. Ooh. <laughs> uh, both feature people acting contrary to their normal self. The captain slash anyone who was overtaken by the energy being, uh, be, you know, doing opposite to what they would normally do. And Paul saying he wasn't going to perform that one song on the show and then performing that one song on the show. Wink. <laughs> yeah. Meta. Uh, both have characters trying to reach new heights, as it were, only to have them ending up right where they started. The energy being trying to merge with Picard to reach a higher level of consciousness and exploration, only for uh -huh. it not to work and for them to be separated as energy in the end. And the guy on stilts in the Muppet Show falling to the <laughs> ground. Yeah, guy on stilts. <laughs> the guy on stilts. Lady stilt man. <laughs> Lady stilt man. Oh, God. What's that noise? Transporter malfunction. Transporter malfunction. So it's a part of the show where we transport one character from one episode to the other and vice versa. So what you got for us, Steve? Well, Trek to Muppets this week, I'm going to bring over those dog and snake guys uh, to perform Baby Driver, uh, <laughs> chasing each other before just viciously murdering each other on stage. <laughs> Everyone's screaming from the Muppet Theater, leaving in terror. <laughs> you called me Baby Driver. <laughs> no, you did. <laughs> Uh, Trek to Muppets, I'd have the energy being trade places with Statler and Waldorf because it really just wants to experience more of the galaxy. So what better way to do that than see the Muppet show every single night? Because unlike them, it would actually appreciate the shows, you know, just saying. Yeah, I'm. I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, we're, we're really reaching out of the box for this one. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, Muppets and Trek bring over Paul Simon to replace just all the dog men. Each one is now a Paul Simon. <laughs> And make them, like, likable, and then it makes it that much more horrible when it's revealed that they, like, caught and murdered or eating Paul Simon. Snake Man at the end. Just a whole <laughs> gang of future Paul Simons. They're just eating Paul Simon. <laughs> just eating Paul Simons. <laughs> there, then it's cannibalism. <laughs> then it's cannibalism. Uh, Muppets of Trek, I'd have Paul Simon trade places with the energy being, because uh, he wouldn't end up killing anybody, but would just want to serenade the crew with his music, but they'd still want uh -huh. to get the hell off the ship because he'd become annoying after a while. That's right. <laughs> so that brings us to the end of episode 109 of the Muppet Trek podcast. Join us next time for the Muppet Show with special guest Melissa Manchester. And the next generation episode, Justice. So from the lovers, the dreamers, and us. Live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Muppet Trek Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds. 